Hey, hey, hey. Welcome into the latest and greatest Locked on Rockies podcast with your host, Jenna Garcia. I'm here to tell you before we get into anything Rockies related about this Friday. This Friday, I will be hosting alongside the rest of the Stiffs and, of course, the Denver Nuggets, hosting a watch party over at Stoney's Uptown. It's going to be really fun, you guys. Stoney's Uptown is always pretty busy and lively and fun, but this Friday is going to be really fun because the Nuggets are taking on the Clippers in L.A., so that'll be a really good game to watch, really fun game to analyze, and obviously a checkpoint for the Nuggets in a lot of ways. And we're going to be doing tons of giveaways. We give away shirts basketballs, tons of signed gear by the Nuggets, uh, tickets to games. So if you're a Rockies fan, I'm guessing you're probably a Nuggets fan. So you definitely want to come out and hang out with us at that watch party. It's going to be really, really fun. I don't know. We had a dance contest last time. We do a drinking bingo where if Malone calls a rage timeout, you drink. If uh, they hit a three, you drink, different things like that. So it's going to be a good time. You definitely don't want to miss it. Come check it out. Stoney's Uptown. And of course, I will be there and it's right by my house so I can drink as much as I want on Friday. It's going to be a really good time. And then we're going to podcast after, uh, do a Denver Stiffs podcast and oh, it'll be interesting. Our hot takes after as much as we drink. So definitely want to invite you guys to that. Today's episode of the Lockdown Rockies is actually going to be focused on questions that I had sent in to me via mailbag requests. You can always um, participate in the mailbags and everything that I do on social media at Vita Viva Diva. That is my handle on Twitter and Instagram. So sometimes I'll post one place and not the other. Sometimes I'll post both places and take the best questions from both. But this time I just took from Instagram. Definitely go check out my Instagram because it's really fun and I post videos, really funny clips. Jamal Murray talking crap last night. He was mad. I was talking shit to him and um, Michael Porter Jr. talking about practice tons of stuff like that. And it's the same thing come Rocky season. You know, you'll get clips of live feed that other people aren't giving to you that I do video. Um, obviously, you can get some of those things on MLB.com, and the Rockies won't have the same problem as the Nuggets do with Altitude right now not being aired. So you get a little bit more Nuggets stuff that you can't get just via television. But again, you can follow all of that stuff at Vita Viva Diva. Let's get right into the questions. I actually felt like you guys sent in really good questions. Not that you don't always, but you sent in really good ones um, this week. So question number one, why do you think the Rockies won't do anything to improve their roster and actually compete? Um, I believe the Rockies don't or didn't make any changes in this off season because they do believe that they have really good homegrown talent within their farm system and their double A players, triple A players. It's a very tough topic, obviously, because, Going out and getting a guy who you see who's doing well. Look at last offseason, not this this recent one, but the last, last one. Uh, they go out and get Daniel Murphy. And then Daniel Murphy he literally has a season where he doesn't produce and is not as productive as he was in any season prior. Um, 
So, I mean, it's a double-edged sword, right? You can go out and try to get a guy and you put him in course field for half of his games and he struggles because it's, it's more difficult. Uh, or you go out and you get a guy and he does great. It, it's a very interesting kind of dynamic that I think fans have because sometimes you guys are mad for who for them getting somebody who does isn't performing well and you're mad when they don't go get anybody right so I really do believe that they believe they can succeed without anybody else this season I and I mean if you look at their infield they have a powerhouse infield their outfield is getting there I would say that's one of their weaker links and their first baseman as well in Daniel Murphy which we're going to get to in a little and another question, but I just don't think, I think what they did was they weighed the numbers, they weighed how much money they had, and it just couldn't work out. What they could afford wasn't going to be an effective increase in war for them, so they, wins above replacement, so they just avoided going out and getting somebody. Um, I do think some other prospects are really going to be great players. Obviously, you have Ryan McMahon, who came up last year and had a phenomenal year. I expect him to have a great year again. David Dahl, who has been plagued by injury time and time again, hoping that he has a completely healthy year. And if he does, he could be a huge piece to their outfield, as well as a great bat, obviously. Probably his bigger strength is his bat than his fielding. Um, And then... Brendan Rogers, who's coming off of injury, he um, had surgery over the offseason and should be coming back strong. So that will be good as well. So I think that they really do believe that they have what they need in this farm system of theirs. The next question, of course, of course, this is what you guys want to know about, right? Any more rumors of about Arenado trade talks or anything like that lately? Nope, not really, nothing really new. The only rumors he's still tied to is the Cubs, the one-for-one Chris Bryant for Nolan Arenado. Um, Chris Bryant is a cheaper player than Nolan. Chris Bryant's only making $18 and Nolan's making $35 So uh, much cheaper player. Uh, Chris Bryant lost his grievance for versus the Cubs about his service time, which means that he'll be under contract with the Cubs for two more years as opposed to coming out next year as a free agent. And basically that just means that they brought him up close to when it would have counted for a full season, but the Cubs were able to kind of convince, uh, I guess, whoever is judging on this grievance between them and um, Chris Bryant and his agent that it was, you know, it was fair play. They brought him up because he really, they had injuries and they needed to bring him up. I think it's like 170 something, 72, 74 games. If you're up for that many, then that counts as a year of service and a year of service time. But he was up for like barely under that or exactly that many days. And so that's why um, they they actually ended up winning it, which would would have been crazy if Chris Bryant had won it because then that would have applied to a lot of other guys and, and clubs do this all the time where they wait to bring a guy up based on service time so that they could have control of his contract for extra time, you know, especially a really good player. So, um, I'm not sure if I, I think it really all depends on 
the Cubs also have a financial minimum. There, there also have been many reports about them needing to stay within a budget this year, like self-imposed budget that they're kind of trying to stick to. And so I don't know that they would really go for Arenado unless they have a really hot start to their season. If they have an incredibly hot start, Chris Bryant maybe doesn't have such a hot start, but if they think that they could win the World Series, they might go for Nolan Arenado. They might do that trade. Otherwise, I think that they're sticking with Chris Bryant. And if Chris Bryant has a really hot start, then that shows the Cubs his value as well, and maybe they stick with Chris Bryant instead. Um, There's a lot of people who believe Chris Bryant is better than Nolan Arenado. A lot. A lot of people, mostly Cubs fans, but still a lot of people who think that he's a really good third baseman. And so, of course, um, if he can prove that he's as valuable or more valuable, at least with his start to this season, then why not pay a lot less money for him than you're paying Nolan Arenado? Um, the next question that was kind of similar to that same question, how many games over under will Nolan play as a Rocky over under 90 is what this person wrote. I honestly think that it turns out that Nolan stays a Rocky all year. I think if the team can come out strong in the beginning of the season, which they've done so far in spring training, they've had some decent starts. Um, I think that they will prove to Nolan that it's a por- place worth staying. I, I, I Maybe that's a little bit of hopefulness in my voice, but I do believe that that'll be the case. I think that he'll stay. And if he doesn't play more than 90s games as a Rocky this season, it'll be a money issue. It'll be simply business. Like they, the Rockies will have a failure of money management by the front office and they'll need, that's what it'll be centered around. It won't be because he's not a great Rocky. It won't be because him and Breitich don't like each other or whatever. It'll be because they don't think that they can win and he's not happy in some way, but because if they're not winning, he won't be happy. But I think it'll be more of a matter of money and trying to get rid of some of that pay load. So I do think he'll play. And then, of course, the final question about Arenado, do you think he stays a Rocky the whole season? Like I said, I do. Okay. So over under two months before Breidich dismantles this team. This will be the last question I answer before the break, but I think it'll be over two months. I think you, if he dismantles the team, it'll be in July. Around the trade deadline, he'll probably start to move some players around and You'll start to see a lot more AAA guys. Brendan Rodgers probably. Uh, I th- I just suspect to see Brendan Rodgers sooner than July if there were some sort of injuries. And, of course, if there are injuries, then there's going to be a lot of moves probably sooner than that. But uh, I think July if it happens. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. Experience the empowering feeling of the Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Lease the 2024 RX 350 Premium All-Wheel Drive for $5.28 a month for 36 months with $49.99 to its signing. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease offer and pricing details. Not all customers will qualify. Offer in the Lexus Eastern area and April 1st, 2024. All right, guys, thanks for sticking with me. We're in the second segment. We're going to talk about prospects and 
pitchers and who I think should be at first base. Those are the questions you guys sent me. Do you think Brendan Rodgers or a young player is going to break out and help carry us? Brendan Rodgers has a phenomenal future ahead of him. I don't know that he will break out this year just coming off of that injury and surgery. I don't know that it's also a pretty crowded infield already. You already have Trevor Story. Uh, you already have Nolan Arenado, obviously. If there was a move there, then maybe that would open some space up. The only position you really have available in the infield is first base. And I would say, I, I according to the Rockies, that's not even really that available because they really believe that Murphy is going to come back and have a great season, which I guess we can combine these two questions. But before we move on to who plays first base uh, this season, I I think if I have to pick a player who I would suspect, like a prospect that I would suspect to do really well this season, it's actually Jonathan Daza, who got a lot of playing time in the majors last season, towards the end of the season especially, but he was finding a rhythm. He is lightning fast on his base running. Um, He's got great speed. He's got great footwork in the outfield. I think that he could be a really, really good player. Um, and I think he'll have a breakout season, honestly. He has a great arm, tons of talent, more uh, opportunities available to him in the outfield because you don't really have a set um, outfield rotation, really. You have Ian Desmond, you have Charlie Blackman, guys who really could just DH and then potentially move in and out of days playing out there. Um, so I do think there's more opportunity out there, less crowded in the outfield. Obviously, you have David Dahl, Ramel Tapia. Um, if if Tapia is not making reads in left field, you know you probably have David Dahl out there, and then in center, you could potentially have Daza or, uh, while Blackman is in right. So I think that he probably has a pretty good breakout re- year. Another person that you guys asked about was Fuentes. If I, well, you said Fuentas, but it's Fuentes, <laughs> Nolan's cousin. If I thought that he would stay up in the majors, he could potentially get an opportunity. He played a little bit of first base last year, had like one or two opportunities to play first. If something were happening where Daniel Murphy wasn't doing great at first, um, he could potentially get an opportunity there, but I do think that he ends up staying and playing most of his season in AAA. I don't think that you were getting the kind of at-bats from him last season uh, that you really wanted to get for him to be able to stay up. You know, you only get so many opportunities, and you in baseball is baseball where you're going to, with those opportunities, you're only really successful one of three times. So it's tough to really prove that you deserve a a spot up here. I do think Fuentes, um, I've heard at least from people down at spring training that his swing on his, on the opportunities he's had at bat have been really, really good. And he's, he looks a lot more confident at the plate. So that could be something that's changed since last season. And I wouldn't put it past him. He comes from a pretty hardworking family. So he could have worked really hard over the off season. And it's just about, you know, the opportunity that he gets. And, and again, he is an infielder. It's a pretty packed infield. So not so much about whether he's good enough to play, but whether there's spots for him in a position up there. I do think the Rockies typically stick with their veterans, uh, whether that's the right or wrong move. Uh, that's what they typically do. I mean, Mark Reynolds played first base far too long last season when he wasn't productive. So that's just how they are sometimes. That's just how it 
the cookie crumbles sometimes, right? Um, that leads into our question. Do I think Desmond or Murphy at first base? That was a question sent in. Um, a lot of people are down on Desmond at first base. They say it was like a terrible experiment, experiment totally gone wrong. I think if he had gotten a little more time, he could have been better at it. Seems like he's worked on his hand-eye coordination a lot this offseason. If you have followed him, he's been doing some punching a tennis ball that's attached to his forehead and posting it. I don't <laughs> I don't even really know what that's about, but there's been like Tony Walters, tons of guys posting that same video. Um, but yeah, Desmond is a really quick guy. I think he has a quick glove. He could potentially be okay there. I, I don't think he's any worse than Murphy last year, but according to what people are seeing from Murphy down at spring training and according to what Bud Black has said about him in the few times that he's spoken this season so far, he's really high on Daniel Murphy, thinks that – I mean, he, Buddy was pretty high on Murphy last season too, even when Murphy wasn't successful. He was kept saying, you know, oh, he'll work his way out of it. He'll work his way out of it. We'll see a different Daniel Murphy. We did get to see a little bit of that, glimpses of that here and there, but we never really saw him – take full control or play as well as he had played in the past. I personally think he's on his way on like his downhill. Um, he's peaked and he's probably on his way out of the game. Unfortunately, he could still play maybe a little while longer and be an effective DH if he could get that under control. But I don't think Desmond is a worse choice at first from Murphy if I had to pick one of the two, I don't know. They're both righties. They're both about the same height. Um, it's definitely a weak link for them. There's been some talk of McMahon playing first base, but I like McMahon so much at second, and I think he's really come accustomed to it. So I don't know if I would want to move him to first. I'm sure he would be – he's easily probably the most athletic guy on this team. Uh, Trevor Story and Ryan McMahon, I would probably say, are the most athletic guys on this team, and so – I'm sure McMahon could do it and be successful at it. I just, I like him at second, so I, I'd rather him not play first. But I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. He, he's batting well, and he'd still be playing in the infield. So, And he's definitely one of my favorite players to watch on the Rockies. So as long as he's a Rocky, I don't know that I care where he plays, but I like him better at, first, at second, excuse me. All right, last question. Last question of, oh, no, two questions. Second to last question. Fourth and fifth starters for the Rockies. I actually did a whole pod de decomposing all of the Rockies starters that they have at their 40-man, on their 40-man roster and at spring training. Um, I think it'll probably end up being Chichi Gonzalez and Antonio Sensatella or Ubaldo Jimenez. Jimenez went out there today and pitched, and it seemed like he had pretty positive response from his two innings that he pitched, although he did get rocked twice pretty hard. Um, Rawlinson had a really good start in spring training a couple days ago. He had one, two, three out against the Cubs. It looked really promising. Again, they might, because of his service time, they might try to delay his call up in order to wait. You also don't want to call up a guy too soon and then have him regress because it's too much pressure too soon. Um, and Rawlinson only was in double A last year. So, um, it would be a huge call-up, like really fast, kind of a Herman Marcus situation, I guess. But um, he could probably do it. I would just 
guess that they would wait on him just due to service time, like I said, so that they could control him a little, his contract a little longer. Last question of the pod. You guys gave really good questions. I'm, I'm impressed with your questions and I'm glad that we did this. I think we're going to make this a staple once a week. We'll do a mailbag pod, but the final question of the pod was how many games are we winning this season? How many games are the Rockies winning this season? I actually think I have, I have a hot take on this one. I think that the Rockies are going to be between 75 and 80 wins, which is higher than Fangraphs has them. Um, it's higher than I think most people have them, but less than what Dick Monfort has them. I think he said 90 wins, which is just kind of silly. I'm pretty sure Fangraphs has like the Dodgers at like 96 wins or something like that. Um, weirdly enough, Fangraphs has the Astros as like second highest wins projected for this season. And I was just like, why? Because they're still going to be cheating. I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. I, I don't know about that anymore. I don't know that the Astros will be successful. And I don't know if I'll be impressed if they are successful. Cause I'll probably just think they're cheating anyways. I probably won't believe that they did it on their own, even though I'm sure they're going to be, you know, uh, checking in on them and monitoring that quite a bit this season. I still don't believe them. I just don't. That's what happens. You cry wolf too many times, you become a liar, you cheat too many times, you become a liar, and I can't believe in you. So that's that. Sorry, Astros fans, if any of you like the Astros listening to this pod. But I just can't believe in somebody who lies. It takes time to work back and tr get our trust back. So to give it time. It's too soon. But um, I do think that the Rockies give 75, 80 wins. I don't think it's out of this world um, for them to get 75 to 80 wins. I think it's probably doable. Um, I do think that they will be behind the Dodgers, obviously, this season. I think the Dodgers probably are on a mission to get some revenge this year. But I do think the Padres will be better than the Rockies this year. I think their pitching just looks really good for the Padres this year. And obviously they have some really fun up and coming prospects. Um, their farm system looks pretty good too. So I think the Padres are actually be better than what Fangrass has them at. Um, and my hottest take, I think the Rockies will be better than the Diamondbacks this year. The Diamondbacks are projected to have a lot more wins than the Rockies. I think they're projected at like 85 or something like that. Um, and obviously Arizona made some moves in this off season to be successful or to, to try to be successful in attempts to better their team. And a lot of people feel like they, they did get better. I do think that they became better, but for whatever reason, I just don't think it's going to flow or work on the field. I think that they're going to struggle and I don't think they're going to be that good. That's my hot, hot take. Diamondbacks, not going to be as good as they're projected this year. Rockies are going to be better than the Diamondbacks. That's what my projection is. So thanks for sending in your question, guys. This has been the latest episode of the Locked on Rockies podcast on your Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. 